to the Seven Innings Podcast. We've got a full house here today. BMO, Scarborough, Bro, Jimmy, Smitty, special guest JDH, Jenny Dalton Hill in the his house. We got D-Lo with the VLO making an appearance. And hold on, everybody. Are you sitting down? We have Jersey Meg Whoa. and Vegas Vicky listening Ooh, in man. today. Wow. Yeah, this Impressive. is a big deal. A very big deal. Uh, hopefully <laughs> you've you've got your lineup card. You know, you can follow along with us, of course, on Twitter, the gram. We're on ESPNW, your ESPN app, as well as your iTunes. Um, we've got a great uh, uh, list of topics today on the lineup card. Huge weekend uh, with big games out at uh, the Montlake out in Washington. Um, uh, down in Baton Rouge, big games. They had a huge weekend last weekend in Arizona. We'll talk a little Arizona legacy and, and the history of uh, that great program. Of course, we're going to be shagging some stats, and uh, we'll give me some Jimmy. Um, unfortunately, we have to start out with you know one of the big stories of this week, and and one of the things right that we love about this game is in good times and in bad, um, we are there for each other, and, and we're teammates. And we support one another. And, um, you know, our condolences to everyone down in Kanawha, um, in, in Oklahoma. I'm sure, uh, you know, softball fans, you heard about the tragic uh, bus crash for the, the Fighting Tigers, their junior high school team, coming home uh, from a game and the passing of Rindy Isaacs at the age of 12. And certainly our thoughts and prayers uh, go out to, to that family and that extended family and um, our, our entire extended softball family is thinking about you guys down there. So we will uh, we will move on now to our, our lineup card and and in honor of Rindy, um, today's show is all about her and about the love and the and the passion and the fun that we um, all enjoy and never take for granted really um, around this game. Uh, our, our friends over at ESPNW put together a poll, and if you haven't checked it out, go there right now and click on it. They have put together a list, gang, of um, the best plays so far of the season. And everybody gets a chance to vote. And and who has voted so far um, on the best plays of the year? We've got um, Yessie Morrison, a huge win for Grand Canyon over Florida State. Um, Kelly Nelson at Holy Cross, Brianna Jones at SIU, some really good pitching performances. Uh, Gabby Plain just jumped on the list. More about her coming up. But right now, everybody, Danielle Gibson at Arkansas is still in the lead with that four home run game. I'm I just going to jump in real quick and say that I, I think to me, Danielle Gibson, that has to be the winner. I, a home run cycle is incredible. And I think it's just comes down to the odds. First off, she hit a home run in four consecutive innings, which is impressive. Four home runs in a game. But then the fact that it's, it, it's the cycle, a solo, <laughs> a two run, a three run and a grand slam. It, it's impressive. The odds of that happening are just, you know, she should play the lottery. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, she had even talked about it too. And talking about the home run cycle, whenever we went to Arkansas and Fayetteville, like what had to happen for her to get that last solo home run was a wild pitch while she was actually up to bat. And even before the wild pitch, the girl hit a triple, I believe Kaylee, I know that you were just there last weekend, but didn't end up scoring um, whenever she was up to bat. So the fact that the bases were clear because there was a wild pitch, the everything was in line for her to be able to get the home run cycle and the softball gods were watching, I think, down on that field. I mean, even she admittedly said on the last home run, that solo home run, she hit an outside pitch out the park. And she's like, I'm a pole hitter. I mean, everything was meant to be that night. And I loved hearing from her coach too, Courtney Dyfel. The biggest thing that she told us was that it was a complete team effort because you had to have people on in front of her to be on base to complete that cycle. So it wasn't just an individual accolade. Everybody had to pull their weight and it was a big team celebration. Well, I am interested in hearing from JDH, who we have now dubbed the cat with the bat. Okay, one of the all-time great power hitters in the history of our game. Jenny, how close, if ever, did you ever come to a home run cycle? Not a chance. There's no way. I mean, the stars have to align perfectly for that to happen. And Danielle even talked about how she... She thought about it in the at bat with that runner on third base that, well, maybe it won't happen. And then that pass ball, the heavens open and gave her an opportunity for that to just come to fruition. And the outside pitch goes with it. I mean, so many things have to line up. I would have to say at Arizona, our big thing was let's see how many home runs we can hit in a row in terms of in our lineup. So we went two or three, four, five a lot with home runs, but the the home run cycle, that's just unheard of. Yeah, I think Danielle Gibson's going to be in the lead for a long time. By the way, folks at home, Jersey Meg with a smile and a head nod. That's her contribution. She's not the best analyst <laughs> in the business for nothing, folks. Hey, we're moving We're moving down the lineup card to number two. We've been giving a lot of love to the hitters, and we've gotten some blowback from the pitchers. Okay, okay. But what we've noticed so far this season is the future of the game is in very good hands because we have seen some terrific freshman pitchers. Um, And I know Scarborough wants to weigh in on the job that the freshman pitchers have been doing around the country. I have about 20 names written down, so I'm not quite sure how I'm going to get them all in. But um, going a little off script, I think a name like Alex Duraco from Michigan stands out to me. Kendra Lamb, who's from Australia, she pitches for Louisiana. And then I also know of Sydney Nestor for North Carolina State through a no-hitter this weekend. So those are a little bit off script. But the, the nitty-gritty pitchers who I really, really think about who are the freshmen, all-American type pitchers, Ashley Rogers for Tennessee, Shay O'Leary for Texas and Montana Fouts for Alabama. I don't mean to just take the the big three, but I think of, I know, I know, hold on. I have a point to this. Those three pitchers in the addition to uh, Tennessee, Texas, and Alabama, they not only are just going to be great for individually, those are the three type of pitchers who can start to take their team to the Women's College World Series with their contribution. And I think Ashley Rogers is my biggest star, might be the biggest one for Tennessee in addition to Kaylin Kaylin Arnold and Maddie Moss. Don't Bogart the entire class of freshman pitchers. Jeepers, save some for the... uh, Smitty's ready to jump right through the microphone. (laughs) There's still a lot left. There's still a lot left. She stole it all away from me. Um, Now, to to, to echo what Amanda said, O'Leary, Fouts, and Faremo, all three of those have sub-one ERAs. So not only are they making a difference, throwing a lot of innings to help out those great pitching staffs that all those programs have, 
they're doing it extremely effectively. I mean, they have not given up a lot of earned runs. They've got some offensive production behind them, which allows them to actually be able to make mistakes and be a freshman in the circle at times. But to me, that's impressive. O'Leary, Fouts, and Framo. How about the hitters? What do you guys think? They're speechless about us pitchers. Wait, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just glad. I'm just glad Jenny's on the call today, so that I have another hitter to be supportive and help me out here. Um, you know, we talked about sometimes freshmen have this platform where they have nothing to lose. They are fresh. They are not on anybody's radar. They're not on anybody's scouting report yet. Not a complete one anyway. And sometimes you have to see a pitcher before you can make an adjustment or connect with them. And these pitchers are all fresh. So I think that's what's really special about those freshmen is that they take the opportunity right away to not waste their time. But Jenny, you just wait a couple <laughs> years, right? Those hitters pick up on these freshmen, these freshmen well, pitchers. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and go against that though, too. Those freshman hitters, no, there's no scouting reports on them either. And we saw huge things out of Tennessee freshmen against Florida this weekend. Seven home runs hit off of Florida and four of those home runs by freshmen, three separate freshmen for Tennessee. So you're going to see the same kind of numbers put up by freshman hitters as well because those scouting reports are not available on them either. So, um, you know, when Kelly Nelson, the freshman for Holy Cross, pitched 16 innings in one game, that wasn't enough time for the hitters to start to scout her out. I mean, she had had 27 strikeouts for that freshman pitcher. The NCAA record is 28 strikeouts. As a freshman for Holy Cross, she almost tied and broke that record. Just (laughs) saying. Excuse me, Scarborough. Okay, let me speak up for Holy Cross and the Catholics here. Lent started. She gave up hits for Lent. Okay, Yo, she struck good. out everybody. That's it. That's all that worked. <laughs> I, I would like to mention uh, Jenny Bressler from UNLV and Kennedy Sullivan from Western Kentucky. A couple of other good freshmen that don't get a whole lot of love. And, and you guys bring up a good point. We're going to talk Arizona and the and the great legacy of that program coming up later. But I remember a couple of years ago talking to Mike Candrea, the head coach of the Cats, the Hall of Famer, what makes it so tough for those teams that used to dominate to get back year in and year out is television and scouting reports and videotape now on all these players and how it has changed the game and helped grow parity around the country. Well, I think the most important you, you have to be chameleon. Like you have to continue to change and you can't be the same pitcher as a senior that you were as a freshman, because by the end of your freshman year, you're already known, you're already scouted. And, and it's exactly true, Beth, as you said, that the technology is forcing your hand more so to be a different pitcher, not even just at the beginning of the season, at the end of the season. So, and then from year to year, and then if you play beyond college, it's the same thing in international pitching. So uh, you, I think it's continually about growth. And isn't that like all things in life? If you're staying the same and everybody else is getting better, by default, you're going backwards. So for me, the, the big thing with these pitchers is that you have to continually morph and change throughout your entire year and your career. Well, and I don't think that you can make as many mistakes because I'm sitting here watching games and you're able to watch so many now. And there are so many mistakes that hitters are crushing. I mean, the balls are just left right over the middle of the plate. Whereas if I used to be a, a screwball, drop ball type pitcher, if I missed on the inner half a little bit, I threw 69, 70, I might be able to get away with it a little bit with a ball on the plate. But now those hitters, if they had all this tape against me, would be up looking for that pitch and they would crush it. So I'd have to throw a little bit more off the plate. So I think that's the biggest thing too, uh, to be able to, to 
to just kind of bounce off of Michelle's point is not only do you have to change a little bit with what you're throwing, you also can't miss your strengths more on the plate because they're going to get hit. Well, I think that's exactly what video does, Amanda. I mean, you're right. If I know what you're throwing, then I know how to adjust because I've seen it a hundred times before I've even seen you live. And so mm-hmm. I know that if you're really good at the screwball, maybe I'm going to adjust where I stand in the box. I'm going to make my adjustments a little quicker with my barrel. And that's what sped up, like you said, those mishits that are being crushed. And more than that, it comes down to the videos giving away what you're tipping off before you even let the pitch go. And so more than anything, if I'm able to watch you throw a screwball a hundred times, I'm able to see what does your hand position look like in your rock back. So I know that it's going to be on the inside half before you even let it go. So I can adjust to that in my swing before you've even let go of the ball. And who- Beth, quick, quick question for you really quickly. Yes. Um, I know you're about to make a great point, but I just am dying to know what you gave up for Lent. You opened the door. I just like, what, what did you give up? Anything? <laughs> swearing and sweets. Yes. Swearing okay. and sweets. Okay. I think the world just really wanted to know that. And so if, I wanted to be yes. sure to ask. If Jimmy had a mute button, I'd make a really funny joke right now about <laughs> But I won't. So, yes. Okay. Okay. So, Sorry. I've always got a beep, Beth. I've always got a beep ready. <laughs> <laughs> and, and who's responsible for all this? None other than Jersey Meg for putting all these She's games on television. Nobody watches more tape than Jersey Meg and Vegas. Vicky. Um, we'll have we'll have the lines for you coming up on the big uh, the big showcase events coming up this weekend. We got some huge head to head matchups in league play coming up. Um, if you're following along on your lineup card, including a discussion coming up later about bat flips which is sure to drive a great divide right through the middle of our crew today. BMO, Scarborough, Bro, Jimmy, Smitty, JDH, the cool cat with the bat, D'Lo with the velo, Jersey Meg, and Vegas Vicky. Uh, one of the freshmen we haven't talked about yet as we move on to number three, it's high tide in Hawaii. Bama goes 25-0, and 0, and what do they get as a, as a, a gift? How about a road trip out to Hawaii to play in a tournament this weekend where after the, if they win their first two games and go 27 and 0, they will match the school record for uh, best start ever. A couple of newcomers, one a freshman, one a transfer, Montana Fout, Sarah Cordell are a combined 19 and 0. The team is hitting 310. And how about the name Bailey Hempfill for one of the front runners for SEC player of the year. What's going on with the tide out in Hawaii and can they keep it up? Well, Beth, that's an interesting question because the first thing that I want to kind of circle back around is you remember last year when Tennessee was just having an incredible year. They took this long road trip out to Hawaii. They came back. Oh yeah. They went into South Carolina. They got swept by South Carolina. And we talked about, was it too much in the middle of the season? They came back exhausted. They looked flat. This is interesting. What's the tide going to look like coming back from Hawaii? So um, I think they're playing great. They've been a lot of fun to watch so far. This next week, ultra important when they head back east from being out so far west. Yeah, I wonder if uh, Coach Murphy called uh, Ralph Weekly up and was like, hey, how'd that go for you guys? Should I do this or not? But, um, you know, the biggest difference for me, I look at this Bama team and the reason that they're, I mean, they're just firing at a different level offensively. Yes, they have the pitching to support it, but I look at 2019 compared to 2018 in like the home run category, they've already hit 34. They only had 51 all of last year. 
They have 55 stolen bases already. They only had 60 total last year. I mean, their numbers are so much better. They have a great strikeout to walk ratio in the box. So they are walking more than they're striking out, which is actually pretty rare right now. And I think that's where you see Alabama just being a different team and being able to put major runs on the board for their pitchers that need it because they're young. Well, and I think Murphy was pretty wise in how he scheduled this trip because they don't play again. They get their last game in Hawaii is on the 16th. They don't play again until the 22nd against Texas A&M. And so that he's given them an opportunity to come back and acclimate back to the time zone that they're in. That was, I think, one of the biggest hiccups for Tennessee was they got back and went right back into SEC play right after. And so it was hard for them not only to get over the jet lag, but also get back into the swing of things because they were still recovering from that trip. Well, and if you're wondering who they play in Hawaii, too, they have six games and it's a pretty favorable schedule. They play South uh, Southern Illinois, Edwardsville, Niagara, and then that Edwardsville team again, and Niagara again in Hawaii a couple of times. So they have a very favorable schedule if they have enough energy because they play tonight on Wednesday uh, to be able to work through it. So they could get easily, in, in my opinion, I mean, they have the talent to do it, six wins over there in Hawaii and be, what, 31-0? and Yeah. What are the odds of uh, ESPN going out to Hawaii to cover this event <laughs> next year? Vegas Vicky says it's only about 25%. <laughs> Um, but we're going to make a big push to do that. Uh, it's not even that high, not even close that, to 25. Oh, that's too high. Oh, <laughs> Vegas has already lowered the number. Um, am I, am I correct gang in saying that Alabama was unranked in the preseason and now they are up to number four, the last of the unbeatens. Uh, the new poll, by the way, is out UCLA one, Oklahoma sneaky OU up to number two. Patty Gasso says they are finding their way. Florida State at three, Alabama four, and Tennessee five after a huge win taking two of three uh, down in um, Gainesville from Florida. So uh, interesting to see how that all will play out. Anything else on, on high tide in Hawaii before we move on? Well, you just see them fight. Their comeback yeah. against Missouri in game two of that double hitter on Friday, they were down seven to nothing, came back to win that game. So a good team is not always going to play great, but they're going to have that fight in them that even on their not great days, they're still going to fight to be able to come back and win. And that, that comeback win was the largest comeback win in school history for Alabama. So yeah. to me, they, they have everything, pitching, speed, comeback, power. I mean, they have it all. And Amanda, they have confidence. That's one of the keys that this is a, a program that looks like it's the, uh, the Bama of, of past, a bro Bama. That's right. <laughs> I think they their game on Sunday too. They had like four errors or something like that and still found a way to win. I mean, that's pretty rare as well. Yeah. Can this team dance in the rain? That will be the question as we move forward into the heart of the SEC schedule. Hey, this is the seventh. Kill a big dancer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> huge dancer. Dance in the rain all day. <laughs> Uh, let's move down the, uh, let's move into the cleanup spot in the batting order. We have saved that for the heavy hitters out west. Get ready for some mayhem at Montlake. Um, if you're heading out for the Washington UCLA series, make sure you head to the Montlake market. Great sandwiches, uh, before you head over to the ballpark. We've got number one against number six. Huge. Could be the top. This could decide the Pac 12 championship right out of the gate what are we expecting in this one as Garcia faces Plain, both undefeated and of course Gabby playing the big news last week she's the national player of the week with back-to-back no hitters 
First time that's ever happened at UW, beating Northern Illinois and Seattle. Smithe. Gabby Plain, I think, is an anomaly in the sense that she came in and had this amazing freshman year. She took the team. You know, we, we, we talked about the, the Washington pitching staff and Taryn Elvello, and she was the ace, but by the end of the year, it was playing and she's got international experience. She keeps the ball low in the zone. So she's hard to hit the ball out of the park, but you're going up against UCLA. And as you mentioned, Rachel Garcia has been all everything on both sides of the plate. So to me, this series comes down to one thing, execution, who's going to be able to hit the ball out of the park. Um, who's going to be able to keep the ball in the park, who's going to execute, move productive outs. Um, and I'm sure that, uh, Danielle Laurie will absolutely be uh, weighing in on this uh, this bro- broadcast. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. I am jazzed about this Washington UCLA series that I'm fortunate enough to get to cover. I'll be there Friday night. I mean, this is the big matchup that everyone's been waiting for. We have the number one team in the country with arguably the best player um, in Rachel Garcia. And you have Washington and their pitching staff is absolutely dominant right now. I think for me watching UCLA, the one thing that's different for them this year is that they have some people that can step up and pitch. It's not just the Rachel Garcia show, even though it is, but she has help in the freshman frame as well as Holly. And I think that that really will help Garcia go the extra mile um, and potentially take this team to a Women's College World Series National Championship. The one player I think that needs to get it going, uh, Tao Talafua for UCLA for me, batting 164 on the season. She's a significant part um, to UCLA, and I think that they got to get her going. On the flip side with Washington, you can't deny the fact that they have two of the best pitchers in the nation. I mean, you look at what the sophomore Gabby Plain, two no-hitters this past weekend, and Taryn Alvello, her senior year, wanting to go out with an absolute bang. The one thing that's concerning for me, offensively, Washington doesn't look real great right now. I mean, they're lucky to have Morgan Flores back two years ago. She had over 70 RBIs on the on the year. But I think for her right now, 16 RBIs, four home runs, she's starting to get it going. Sis Bates has to step up. Only eight RBIs so far in the season. Pretty good average, but she's the one this weekend that I want to see do some damage against a Garcia. Show Washington at home what she's made of. And I think the one stat I like with both, both pitching staffs, each one has only given up a total of eight home runs combined between three pitchers. So the goal is to keep the ball in the yard. It'll be interesting to see who Garcia squares off against Friday night. Can't wait. Yeah, Dilo with the veto makes a good point. This is UCLA is number two in ERA. Washington is number three in ERA. We we get to watch Bubba and Bates at the plate try and do something about it. I'm I'm reminded of how Washington was was uh, roughed up earlier in the season and then just started building and building towards the postseason and of course went on to play in the championship series a year ago. Well, yeah, last year, whenever these two teams faced, UCLA swept Washington, and there was only one game that Washington scored. So UCLA threw two shutouts against Washington. So in that series, Garcia had two wins, a save. Of course, she did it all. But here's something to think about. Danielle mentioned how few of home runs that both teams have given up. Gabby Plain has only given up three home runs. Did you know that they're to the same person in the same game? Mia Davidson hit three home runs off of her of Mississippi State. So low ERA, .90 ERA for Gabby Plain. She's throwing well, but can you believe it? She's only given up three home runs to the same player in one game. Crazy. 
Well, going off of that, I think, you know, you look at the home runs for the pitchers, but I look at what makes me nervous about Washington and why I think UCLA is going to win the series this weekend. They only have eight home runs on the entire year as an offense. I mean, that's low. Only three players on their team have home run power at this point in the season. So when you look at that and you're facing Rachel Garcia or somebody that's that good, sometimes the biggest equalizer is the home run ball. We saw it in the Tennessee matchup against Florida. How did they shut down Barnhill? They hit the ball out of the park. So if you're a team that can't hit the home run ball against Garcia, I think you really got to do, and Michelle, you mentioned this earlier in the show, is you got to do all the little things. You got to make sure you're sacrificing, moving runners, productive outs, because that's the only way you're going to beat this good, good UCLA team. Well, and UCLA knows how to win. Washington's proven themselves early on that they can overcome adversity. But right now you've got to be able to hit that big ball when it comes to runners on base. You can move runners, but the defense for UCLA is not going to give up much on that infield. So you've got to be able to punch it through and the long ball is the only thing you can't defend. And so they've got to find a way to come up with the big hit. Even when they've got runners on, they have to be able to push them around. All right, that's going to be great to watch. The mayhem at Montlake with UCLA and Washington. And I love the, did you know that Scarborough just dropped in there? My love of trivia is spreading to the rest of the crew. We got more trivia, by the way, coming up. The cool cat with the bat's going to have a little Arizona trivia coming up later. We're also going to talk bat flips, and we're going to shag some stats as usual. But number five, and the big question this week is, where do the Gators go from here? G-E-A-U-X. As they get set to uh, head down to LSU for a big weekend series, uh, we're going to have the games for you on Sunday and Monday night. Um, there's there's got to be a little sting right now in, in, in their bones as they lost two of three at home to Tennessee. So uh, credit to the Lady Vols for a big road win in that series. And now Florida's got to figure out a way to get back on its feet in a hurry. Yeah, I mean, they go from playing one of the best offenses in the SEC to another one of the best offenses in the SEC with LSU. I mean, I'm looking at LSU's offensive numbers from last year to this year. Their slugging percentage is up 220 points. Their batting average is up 100 points. They've already hit 37 home runs. Last year total, they hit 41. And their on-base percentage is up 120 points. This LSU offense is the real deal. They're going to be so tough to be able to hold down for the Florida pitchers, but which Kelly Barnhill are we going to get? Are we going to get the 13 strikeout shutout win pitcher that we saw on Sunday, Michelle, or are we going to get the one where it takes one inning where she gives up three home runs in the same inning? What do you think, Michelle? Yeah, I think we're going to get the strikeout, Kelly. First off, um, the Tigers love to watch them, love their offense this year, but this is a park that it's hard to hit the ball out of. I mean, you talk about Tiger Park, Tiger Stadium all the time. It's a very pitcher-friendly park, um, even though they've had some a, a lot of power. And, and I agree. I think it's the long ball and it's their offensive explosion, but it's their averages that have made such a big difference. And Siri last year hit 261. This year she's hitting 466. Michaela Schlattman last year a 248 hitter, 352. I could go on and on. Uh, you know, the numbers up significantly. Amber Surrett, the shortstop, incredible defender, 227 last year, 322 this year. So if you look down, up and down the lineup for LSU, numbers up um, significantly, but they're going to have to figure out a way to lay off of Barnhill's rise ball. I don't think they're going to be able to bash it out of the yard like Tennessee did last weekend. Yeah, terrific job by Tennessee to go in there and do that. And uh, we, we're going to have a lot of fun uh, down on the bayou. By the way, Beth Torina will be mic'd up. It's mic'd up Monday for our uh, our primetime game on the SEC uh, net. 
So we're excited about that. Big series coming up, Florida and LSU. Florida dropped three spots down to number seven, and Tennessee up to number five in the new poll out this week after that huge series win. Uh, BMO Scarborough, bro, Jimmy Smitty, Cool Cat with the Bat, D-Lo with the Velo, Jersey Meg, and Vegas Vicky. Um, who, who can tell me what the heck is going on out there with the bat flips, I, I think it was it Samantha Shaw's bat flip went viral um, for all the uh, for all the interneters out there. Is this going to become a thing now? And are we seeing it more and more in women's softball after a towering home run blast? Okay, I'll take it. There's no way that I could have pulled off a bat flip. I mean, granted, I played a long time ago, but. You bat flip it. You you should expect it in your ear on that next pitch. And if you're the next batter, it's going to be high and tight to send a warning that you don't show me up. But I'm going to flip it and say, I don't like the fact that a pitcher can celebrate in the circle after she strikes me out. There's no repercussion. And I would love to be able to do something ah. back to a pitcher. So that really, to me, that's how I would look at it as a hitter is, Oh, you're going to strike me out. Well, next time it's going to be a little bit harder. I got a. I have an interesting view on this. I, I think I'm a. I'm a firm believer in the game knows. The game knows who respects it. The game knows when you appreciate it. I think the bat flipping. I although it is exciting for hitters, and I get mm-hmm. that moment of I just crushed a ball. There's like no better feeling. You know, you pimp it a little bit. You throw up your bat. However, I think if that's going to be a thing, and Samantha Shaw did this, and. She did it in a way that was disrespectful. I mean, she walked the first three steps. I mean, that's like, I'm big time in you. If that's the case, if we're opening up the door for bat flips and you own that and take that, that's fine. But then we should totally allow the pitcher to to be able to retaliate in some kind of way. You know, you jam her inside a little bit. I just don't think it's – I mean, that's something that, like, if I'm a teammate and my pitcher goes out there and gets disrespected like that, I'm like, let's go. Like, get them off the plate. <laughs> bro, bro, you're so nice. I'm going to jam her inside a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I mean, think you beat her, like, brush her off. I don't, like – I like, did, hit her. I mean, I don't want to be like, let's injure her and hit her in the ear. But, like – Oh, my gosh. You're so sweet. I know. If it's Danielle Laurie would be like, yeah, wear this in your rib cage, you know? And so, um, and I may have had a little bit of that in me as well when I played. But I think – May have? <laughs> so, you know, to me, it comes down to the moment. Um, how engaged are you in, in your moment? Brandy Chastain is another perfect example. You score the goal, you rip your shirt off. Is it is it thought out or is it just spontaneous? And when it's spontaneous and it just happens, I think it's one thing. And when it's calculated and it's thought out, eh, then it's not as it, it it's not as genuine. So when it's a genuine celebration, you know, someone's fist pumping after a strikeout or they flip a bat like immediately and, and don't walk. Um, it's just interesting. I, I think when it's spontaneous, hey, it's emotion, it's passion, and that's what our game is all about. All right, we've waited long enough. Let's hear from D'Lo with the Velo. What you got, D'Lo? All right, let's talk bat flips. Everyone continues to keep talking about it, so <laughs> here's my take. I think there's a time and a place. I think postseason, some conference play games that are pretty intense. I don't think that a bat flip is bad. I think if you're maliciously doing it, um, it's not overly great. I think more pitchers need to step up and maybe hammer some hitters. If it is the way that Sam Shaw did it, because watching it back, it kind of made me realize if she did that to me, I'd probably come high and tight on her. The one thing that I don't like that I'm reading online is that 
young women continue to keep saying, well, if the guys can do it, why can't we? It looks ridiculous if the guys do it too. So don't use that as an excuse. Well, they can do it. Why can't we? Um, I think that the game needs to be respected to a certain level. There's a time and a place. And I think postseason, the adrenaline is running. It gets you to a super regional, that hit. Of course, the bat flip is necessary. Um, but that also comes with a little chin music after. Mm-hmm. What well, That's what makes it interesting. In, in uh, Sam Shaw's case, of course, she's a pitcher too. So she could be on both sides of that debate and both sides of, of that kind of activity. So uh, keep an eye on the bat flips moving forward. Scarborough? I mean, and yeah, Michelle and I hit too. So we understand what it feels like to hit a home run. We understand what it feels like to strike someone out in three pitches after they hit a home run. So the way that I'm going to show them, I don't think is necessarily to hit them with the ball and, and, put them on base. I'm going to get them out the next time. Like I'm going right at you. I'm showing you my best stuff. You're not absolutely going to do that off of me again. And I know that's not the the dramatic answer that everybody wants to hear. And it might sound less competitive and I'm not going to throw at somebody, but that I think different players take it differently. And I'm just, I'm going to get you out period the end. Like you're not doing that off of me again. And, and are the pitchers ready to accept uh, Jenny's comment about, Hey, how about we tone down the fist pumping action after a big strikeout, or is that going to continue from you circle folks? Well, I was curious what Jenny meant when she said that the pitchers celebrate strikeouts. I mean, a fist pump, like we see that with home runs and stuff all the time, or like with the hand up, with the number one sign rounding the bases, that doesn't, that doesn't mess with me as much as like the bat flip that where you walk halfway down the line. Jenny, which, which celebration were you talking about? So sometimes there's pitchers, though, that'll stare you down. There's other players on base that will make comments. Like, it may not be as visual, but it's happening. And so that, to me, as a hitter, I always come back so much more determined. A lot like what you're saying, Amanda, where if somebody does take you out of the park, the next time you're going to get them out. If a pitcher starts to show me up, the next time up, you can expect the ball to go out of the park because you're not going to show me up in that way. The game within the game. Wow, this is great behind-the-scenes stuff. Not only are you getting Skittles when you're round the base, but you're getting a little <laughs> trash talk on the side. I love it. I love it. All right, good stuff on the bat flips. Let's move down to number seven in our lineup card. And it is the legacy of the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, Jenny uh, was at a big uh, uh, alumni weekend this weekend. By the way, a terrific series Florida State and Arizona love these interleague, interconference, big-time showdowns. Florida State taking uh, two of three. But it was great, Jenny, just to see um, a lot of the, the uh, faces from the past and, and, and what Mike Candrea has been able to do there in the desert with eight championships, 22 trips to the World Series, and over 100 All-Americans. Well, and it was so great to have over 80 alumni back in that arena to be able to share so many decades of dominance and to be able to come back in and just share the stories between classes because there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that nobody ever talks about when you're in the moment. So it's fun to get together and just be able to talk about, you know, who liked who, who didn't like who, who was trying for so-and-so's records. And there's a lot of competitiveness between classes to try to do more than the last one. And so I think more than anything, it's just neat to get together and hear about all the different. Did you learn anything in particular that you didn't know before? Um, Probably not that should be shared within this arena, but uh, it's, it's great to see how you can really maybe not get along off the field with your teammates, 
But once you cross those white lines, how everything melts away and you can win national championships, even though you're not best friends. And I think that's one of the hard things for this generation to get over is she doesn't like me. But between the white lines, it doesn't matter. You're teammates and you've got to win regardless of how you feel about one another. We're going to let um, the cool cat with the bat throw a little trivia out there for folks at home to think about. And then we'll let the rest of the panel weigh in on on what they think about when they think of Arizona. But um, JDH, take it. All right. So there have been four national players of the year at Arizona, all by different athletes. What four athletes have been named national player of the year at Arizona? Woo-wee. All right. Let's think about that. And who else wants to chime in on on uh, Arizona and, and um, the legacy of that great program? What do you think of when you think of the Cats? Well, I think of uh, consistency. I think of a program that Mike Andrea took over in 1986. So the longevity of his um, his stay there at Arizona, what he's built, the fans, the desert that, you know, it's a unique game out there. He's built an offense. And all those years we won those championships, he built an offense that really could produce a lot of runs in that environment, um, slappers, speed. It was, uh, it was unique. It was it changed the game. Uh, quite a bit in the 80s and 90s, um, and then just the number of athletes mm-hmm. that have come through that program that had so much talent that played in the program and then went on and helped the uh, Team USA win Olympic gold medals. Just a, a, a great legacy within our sport. You mentioned it, Michelle. For me, growing up, I saw a team that reflected somebody that I could be. I mean, they were one of the first programs to really like buy in on the slap game, the short game, the speed. I watched hitters like Caitlin Lowe and Brittany Straps, and how dominant they were in the one-two spots of the lineup. And for me, as a, as a young kid, that's who I wanted to be. I was never going to be a power hitter, and that's fine. But I saw success at a level unheard of at schools like Arizona because of players like that, and that really helped me find my identity in the sport. <laughs> you guys are kind of burying the lead here. I mean, Arizona had the best uniforms. Come on. Like that's what, I mean, you guys took all the good physical answers, the pitching, the speed, the hitting, but Arizona had the classic awesome so uniforms classic. that oh, I know looking up to, like as a little kid, I wanted to wear, like I love those uniforms. <laughs> I still, what, I think I want to put one on. me over the years is um, the way <laughs> that Mike Candrea won in different ways at, At a time, it was speed. At a time, it was power. At a time, it was the pitching. And there were years when it was all three. Um, And some of those dominant teams uh, that Jenny played on in in the mid-90s. Here is my guess on the four players of the year. I'm going to go Dalton, Finch, O'Brien, Evans. That's my guess. Three out of four. Three out of four. Dang it. I know. I'm missing one too. It's not Nancy Evans, right, Jenny? Like that's it not. It is Nancy Evans. That one yeah. is. Yeah. All right. Oh, I thought shoot. Nancy Evans. What about Susie Para? There's number four. Susie Para is your number Boom. four. Susie Para, <laughs> Dang Jenny Dalton Hill, Jenny Finch, and Nancy Evans. How did Leo Bryan oh. now win National Player of the Year honors? Yeah. That's well, amazing she, to me. Yeah, I thought she had won it. To go win a gold medal. I don't know if that was, oh, uh, but she took off her senior season, redshirted that year in 96, went and played and got a gold medal with Michelle and then uh, came back in 97 and won another national championship. 96 was the year that, uh, by the way, for those of you that weren't paying attention or were too young, the cool cat with the bat was the MVP of the World Series that year in Columbus, Georgia, with a dominant, a dominant postseason performance. <laughs> Uh, all right, I think we're, I, I think we're um, up to number eight on our lineup card, and that means it's time for 
this week on Shaggin' Stats. All right, one of my favorite things uh, from a year ago was when we talked about the toughest player to strike out in America. I think we lasted into April, possibly even May, uh, before we got uh, to that. So I'm going to introduce it right now. Let's get out there. The toughest to strike out. There's still a handful of players that do not have have not been struck out yet this year. And I'm going to go with um, Kelby Fortenberry at Texas A&M, who's also batting 457, and her name starts with a K. And Shannon McGee <laughs> at Loyola Chicago, who's also a 400 hitter and has not struck out this year. So let's keep an eye on A&M and Loyola Chicago to see if Fortenberry and McGee can keep it going throughout the season. Smitty. Oh, BMO, I love it. Well, guess what? Since you were talking about the lack of uh, strikeouts for those kids, I'm going to talk about a freshman pitcher, Leanna Johnson from Troy, who's just been outstanding this year. She's got 113 strikeouts on the season and 92 innings, a 12-3 and record for the freshman. And guess what? Tonight, Wednesday, SEC Plus, Troy is heading into uh, Baton Rouge and will be playing LSU. So that's going to be a great matchup. Mm-hmm for Leanna Johnson and Troy against LSU. What's up, Kayla? Say you. Um, I'm going to stay down in Louisiana. And uh, southeastern Louisiana, we talked about him with Jacqueline Ramon, stolen bases. But their entire team this season has 111 stolen bases already. That's unheard of. That's 4.8 stolen bases a game. They have five players with double-digit stolen bases. That's just unbelievable speed. I, I love that. All right, Amanda? That's nuts. Kayla, you would have been so excited to be on that team, I think, and see how many stolen bases you could have gotten. But um, I'm going to go to the lovely town of Lubbock, Texas. Texas Tech has their first top 10 ranking in program history, and they have the Big 12 Player of the Week, Carly Hamilton, who hit four home runs, three triples, and 15 RBIs and seven Texas Tech wins this week. And JDH, what's up? So I'm going to take this off the grid just a little bit and take us all the way to Drexel University that plays in the Colonial Athletic Association. They uh, they have a player, Christy DeMeo, who right now is leading the nation in RBIs per game. She's at 1.73. Now, we may think that she doesn't have as many RBIs as Mia Davidson, who's leading the nation at Mississippi State, but she's only played, you know, a fraction of the games, just 15 games, able to put up those kind of numbers. So her, Christy DeMeo at uh, Drexel, keep an eye on her. She's putting up some big things for them. Jimmy, what you got? Past weekend, we were at Ole Miss, Kayla and I, and uh, saw Molly Jacobson pitch quite well. She's a, uh, point, a 0.88 ERA and an 8-1 record. But the, the stat that I really want to hit is that she's only given up two extra base hits in 56 innings. That's one double and one home run. Beth, back to you. It's only fitting that the cool cat with the bat would go with an RBI shagging stats, mm-hmm. since she is, I believe, still the all-time leader um, in that category. So um, way to go with that one, JDH. Um, uh, Jersey Meg just texted me, and she wants to get in on this. Um, Jersey Meg's shagging stats back out to the desert. Grand Canyon with that stunning win over Florida State this week. The first win in any sport ever for Grand Canyon uh, over the number one ranked team in the country. So congratulations to Coach Ann Pearson and her crew. Oh, by the way, success can be fleeting. After that win, they lost five in a row. We're going to try and get back 
at it this weekend. That's a great one. Jersey Meg there. Um, we always close out the program with our, our favorite guy in the entire world. Give, Give me some Jimmy. Jimmy. All right. We've been talking a lot against pitchers versus hitters today. So, um, Amanda, this first question's for you. You did both hitting and pitching. When you hear a well-hit ball and you hear that crack of the bat or ting of the bat, what does that make you feel? Oh, that makes me feel warm inside. It really does. I love that sound. But if I would rather hear that or the pop of the mitt from throwing like 70 to the mitt and a catcher just catches it perfect, I'd rather hear the pop of the mitt. Michelle, how's- I know, shocker, of course, but... The, the crack of the bat that's a well-hit ball makes me happy. Michelle? Um, it, actually, if, if the bat's in my hand, I love the crack of the bat. Um, if, uh, if the ball was in my hand and I threw it, yeah. then maybe not so much. Then I'm probably thinking to myself, please let someone be where that ball's going. <laughs> um, I, think, uh, I think I agree with Amanda. Would I rather hear the crack of a bat or the, the pop of that glove? Um, the pop of the glove and the emotion in a catcher's face from catching that perfect pitch and framing it nothing better than that Kayla I mean gosh the gloves sound so great sometimes guys especially when you're a block no just kidding oh it's the bat I think what's really cool <laughs> is I think about and I hear that sound and I instantly feel something in my hands like it, it takes me to the box right away I can I hear somebody hit like a, a monster home run or like put down like a, a perfect slap or something and I, I just like my arms go like numb almost because I can feel it like I did it Jenny the sound it's changed over the years Michelle back when we played it was more of a ting right and now it's a different sound and so the sound that it makes now doesn't resonate as much as it did way back when it was that aluminum ting off the bat for me that's the one that just sends chills down my spine because I know that when they connected with it it felt like nothing it felt like they were hitting through butter because it just absolutely flew off the bat and you didn't even feel it. So the sound now is not the same to me, but it does have a distinct sound. Like when Bailey Hemphill hits that ball, it's a different sound than most of those other hitters across the country. Uh, Vegas Vicky just chimed in. She sent me a text. She says there's no greater sound in the sport than that home run ball, the building crescendo as the crowd steadily grows in in into full throat not sure if it's getting out and then that silence just before it lands in the outfield and everybody's on their feet <laughs> and then it becomes a bad beat on the late night sports center with Scott Van Pelt nothing sends chills down Vegas Vicky's spine quite like that noise that's my least favorite I as she's a gonna say Beth Mullen's yeah voice. I thought she would say that too good call Kayla but that as a picture that's your least favorite thing to hear me. don't get me wrong but uh. what else you got James <laughs> James is still laughing about that one all right <laughs> oh, I, I think that's I think that's going to take care of the show yeah that's it for me I think we had a really good time today Bimo Scarborough, bro, Jimmy, Smitty, D'Lo with the Velo, Jersey Meg, Vegas, Vicky, and the cool cat with the bat, Jenny Dalton Hill. Thanks for joining us this weekend to talk all things high tide, bat flips, Arizona, mayhem at Montlake, all kinds of good stuff. And keep an eye on those freshman pitchers on the road to the Women's College World Series. 